Welcome, everyone. Welcome to uh, tonight's satsang. <clears throat> and I'd like to begin my programs by quoting my guru, Baba Muktananda, who began every one of his programs by saying in Hindi, with great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. And he would always say that that's the essence of spirituality, to welcome other people with love, because God dwells within every person as the inner self. And so to welcome another person is to welcome the highest. So in that spirit, I want to welcome you all tonight. <clears throat> and somebody asked me uh, during uh, Darshan, uh, he heard that during uh, Gita's talk, there was a lot of talk about A statements, but it kind of went over their head about what an A statement was. So could I explain it? So I thought I'd explain it. <clears throat> Although Gita did a good job, but I didn't, you must have missed it. <laughs> See, the thing is that um, in our inner worlds, there are two kinds of things, thought and feeling. And thought and feeling are two parts of the same whole. And often we get caught in a story that we tell ourselves. Our mind's always telling ourselves a story. And as we're caught in this story, a certain feeling arises. Like we tell ourselves a story that makes us depressed. We tell ourselves a story that makes us paranoid. We tell ourselves a story that makes us angry or feel separate or something like that. Sometimes we tell ourselves other kinds of stories, but puff us up and so on. And all kinds of stories we tell ourselves. Um, and there's always a feeling with it. Now, an A statement is simply to say present feeling. When present feeling is existentially more real than what you're thinking is. Your thinking is a story, and you spin a story. We spin stories to ourselves, endless stories that can go on and on. If we follow that story, it leads us down many pathways, usually into uh, confusion and upsetment. But if we stay with the feeling and just make a simple statement of present feeling, we can begin to work from there. So the A statement is to be aware of present feeling, which is a doorway into the present moment, which is a doorway into the self. So when you can say, instead of say, believing all the story, you say, I'm angry, at least you have that to work with. And the story disappears, then you can connect to the self. So it's a method of grounding ourselves in present reality. So if you're, more, if you're interested in that, then uh, you should inquire about Shiva process. We do that every week here, and we do private sessions and so on. And it's a very uh, powerful modality, a form of self-inquiry. But I will move on. I hope that was sufficient. <clears throat> so uh, tonight, uh, one of my favorite programs, my guru is Swami Muktananda, and he lived in an ashram near Ganeshpuri, India, which is a, a small town about uh, an hour or two outside of Mumbai. When I was there, it was called Bombay. Um, and um, at, the, at the end of the street, about a kilometer away from the ashram, was the Samadhi Shrine, which is 
the tomb of his guru, Bhagwan Nityananda. And Bhagwan Nityananda was a unique and extraordinary being. He's what was called an avadut, which meant that he's beyond, uh, beyond normal social niceties. He was absorbed in a deep inner state. Uh, and he looked that way, too. He didn't uh, look like he was going to appear anytime soon at a cocktail party um, somewhere. So, and so here's Bhagwan Nityananda. Although I would definitely have him at my cocktail party. So he usually just wore a loincloth. But he was in an extraordinary state of consciousness and um, it's still available there in Ganeshpuri in this village today and that's why we travel there every couple of years and we find it incredibly replenishing and refreshing. His energy is there even though he died in 1961. What else do you have? Yeah. Bob would always describe his state as his eyes were open, he was aware of the outer world, but his focus was inward, called the Bhairavi Mudra. And he would always be in touch with the self no matter what. And there was always a sense of profound stillness around him. And next. And here's some devotees uh, doing puja, hoping for a blessing from Bhagwan. So, <clears throat> now Bhagwan Nityananda, as I said, was an avadut, which means uh, very beyond social norms. Now, Baba Muktananda had attained the great state, but he was not an avadut. He was uh, capable of functioning, a very highly functioning character. He gave lectures, he gave talks, he gave question answers, he wrote books, uh, and so on. Bhagavan Nityananda is very different, never gave lectures. Um, he would make strange and enigmatic remarks occasionally. Uh, he didn't do courses or anything like that. He basically hung out in his state of consciousness. And people would come into his ambiance and they would get awakened just by being in his presence because his spiritual vibrations were so powerful and so uh, strong. Um, <clears throat> but fortunately, uh, in the 1920s, one of his devotees in South India, before he came up to Ganeshpuri, uh, decided to write down some of his utterances. And because of that, we do have a book of his teachings, such as they are, uh, extraordinary uh, uh, and unique remarks and uh, utterances full of wisdom, shakti, and mystery. And so these are some of those. Uh, they're available now as the Chittakash Gita, or the Song of Higher Consciousness. <clears throat> so here we go. Now, um, Bhagwan Nityananda was not a normal person, we can say. In fact, before he became a great saint, he could not have been a normal person either. I can't imagine him being a normal school kid saying, Ma, let me do this. Not possible. So he probably was thought as kind of strange uh, when he was growing up, and they kind of uh, abused him a bit 
and teased him and so on. Then at an early age, uh, he left home to search for God consciousness. Now, that's very rare in our culture, but in India, it's always an option. The mothers are always afraid their kid is going to run away to the Himalayas and be a yogi and sit in the cave. And so they try to get them married off as soon as they possibly can and get them functioning. Uh, but Bhagavad was not to be held back, and he was off, and he wandered all over India. Uh, no one knows really where he went, but he went everywhere, even possibly to Burma and overseas, possibly spent a little time in New York, <laughs> working for a Madison Avenue uh, firm. No, I don't think so. Um, <clears throat> but... Uh, uh, the story that I heard was that when he returned home, uh, it was obvious that he'd become a yogi of great attainment. And the people who kind of laughed at him and teased him suddenly were filled with awe because he was carrying such a, a power. But anyway, let's hear from Bhagwan Nityananda. <clears throat> These are his statements. He says, uh, various kinds of articles are brought to a fair. Similarly, peace should be practiced in various ways. Now, that's a wonderful statement, isn't it? Here's how I interpret it. I always think Bhagwan Nityananda sort of looks out at the world kind of almost like a child, and he sees different things, and he, he, it, it strikes him about some spiritual analogy. So he's looking at a fair, it must be in the town they were having an affa affair. <laughs> he wouldn't be aware of that. Uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to uh, contain my uh, sense of humor right now. I am. Um, so anyway, he must have seen the people bringing it, then he thought, uh, that's like yoga. There are many ways to bring yoga. They bring different things to the fair. There are many ways to practice yoga. <laughs> this is what's in his mind. He says, amidst thousands of people, <clears throat> don't let all of them affect you. Remain steadfast. So he's looking at, there are thousands of people at this fair, and a yogi is not affected by it. He stays in his own state. Now, we're very different. We get affected. If somebody looks at us sideways, we freak out. Something happens, we freak out. This is the way. But a yogi is steady in his inner state. And so no matter what arises, he can hold that place. He remains steadfast. He says, remain steadfast. Just an airplane moves without the help of the earth. Another wonderful observation. I don't know another person who would say, see, the airplane moves without the help of the earth. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? <clears throat> so also, we must learn to act without concern for the body. Plant the conviction, I am not the body, firmly in your heart. So we don't need to identify with the body to make the, the body will continue moving even if we don't have that identification. Baba would say, instead of I am not the body, he would say, I am the self, which is saying the same thing from a, a different perspective. In fact, he told me that uh, on one occasion, that 
was transformative to me. I am the self. <clears throat> so just as an airplane moves without the earth, so you can move without body consciousness, without identifying with the body. That the earth doesn't hold back the airplane, and so body consciousness shouldn't hold us back spiritually. He goes on, a traveler after being in the sun for a long time becomes tired and goes for shelter to the shade of a tree on a hillside. There he forgets his fatigue. So too, those whose minds are absorbed in the search for God forget all their worldly anxieties. And Bobby would say, I'm under the shade of a great tree, and he would point up to the picture of his guru, which was above him, and that's the tree that he sat under, so his anxieties were taken care of. He says, just as in the shade, the sun's heat is forgotten, so the idea of I and mine is forgotten in the absorption in God. So we don't worry about ego, you know. Uh, all of our stress and strain is all because of our ego, our personhood. We're worried, I'm not getting enough. I'm, not, I'm getting too much of bad stuff, not enough good stuff. And this one said this about me, and that one did that to me, and we go through all our accounts and so on. <clears throat> and so um, uh, I always love the story of uh, Nimkaroli Baba, who's a great being that I had the good fortune to meet before I met Baba. Uh, he was Ramdas's guru, Krishnadas's guru, and he was another avadut like Bhagwan Nityananda. They just stayed in a blanket and made strange remarks uh, and gave out prasad, tea and prasad, and went upstairs and disappeared. <clears throat> but one day he was speaking to, speaking and saying, tul tul nan nan, tul tul nan nan, tul tul nan nan. And they said, what is that, Maharaji? So he said, tul tul, too much, too much, not enough, not enough. Too much, too much, not enough, not enough. He says, that's worldly life. Everything's either too much or not enough. That's how we live. That's why we're in misery. Think about it. Too much or not enough. <clears throat> so uh, Baba told me once, be content with what you have. And contentment is not something that flows from <coughs> what happens outside. Contentment is a place inside. We can find that center of contentment, then we don't live in tul tul nan nan anymore. So that's what Bhagwan is saying. We absorbed in the highest. This is part two of the same utterance. This is also quite kooky. No umbrella is needed inside the house. Very good, Bhagwan. You noticed that. It is only needed outside. When you sit inside the house and lock all the doors, you see nothing but the inside of the house. I think it means close all the windows, no? but you don't see anything but the inside. It is only when you open the doors that the outside is seen. So, okay, so that's what he's observed, right? And there's the connection, the other part of the metaphor, right? But he says, learn to open and shut the doors of the senses. When the doors of a warehouse are locked, buying and selling ceases. When doors of the senses are shut, there's no difference between the inside and the outside. He 
He's saying, learn to look within, to experience the self. Don't only get caught in externals. Close the doors of the senses, turn the mind inside, and find the self. That's the direction the sages tell us. Go inside and find the self. Once you find the self, then you can bring that out into your normal life. He says, you must always be careful about the senses. Like a horse being controlled by the help of reins, you must control your senses. You must control your senses by the help of discrimination. Your attention to the senses should be fixed like a nail in the wall. So you have to use your brains to say, well, I can't keep running after all this stuff. It's not good for me. Use your brains and, and be fixed on it. Keep the senses. There's a famous uh, analogy in Bhagavad Gita that talks about the senses as wild horses and that the mind can be controlled by reins and so on. So it's controlling. We could say, more relevant to us perhaps, is keep your eye on your negative emotions. Keep them under control. Don't let them run riot. If you let your depression carry you, you let your paranoia carry you, you let your anger, your jealousy take over, your life goes down the drain. So be aware of that. Make your A statement and be free of it. He says, intelligence should be concentrated in the head. Your attention should always be above the neck, never below the neck. And by that he means focus on the highest. You like that one? <clears throat> There's nobody in the history of humanity that Bhagwan Nityananda could be mistaken for. <laughs> That's the remarkable thing. He's a completely unique voice. You know, when I was uh, uh, teaching literature, we talk about this poet's unique voice. But no one has a more unique voice than Bhagwan Nityananda. <clears throat> Here's another poem of his. Those who do not breathe through the nose have no desires of any sort. They're dead. <laughs> they mean something. Their breath is purely internal. See, when you meditate and you watch the breath, you're not watching the breath come in and out. You're watching the breath go up and down. So it's not with reference. So you're saying a yogi just watches the breath interiorly. And that's what he means. It's a yogi who, who's focused on the breath. <clears throat> they concentrate their breath in the Brahmarandra, where the Ida and Pingla meet, in the, in the highest center, the Sahasra, where the other two nadis coil around and meet, the Ida and Pingla. They have realized the great self. These yogis have realized the self through deep meditation. They look upon all things as self. This is Swarajya, self-government. <clears throat> so Swarajya is a, a word that was used uh, during the, uh, the movement of independence in India by Gandhi and others, that they were seeking Swarajya, independence from England. And so he must have been hearing a lot of talk about uh, independence and so on. So he says the real Swarajya is not political, 
It's interior. It's spiritual. So he says, this is Swarajya. What is Swarajya is Jiva's true place. The soul's true place is freedom. Not political freedom, but spiritual freedom. The light of life is prana vayu. The breath, the inner breath. Pranavayu is the capital of Swarajya government. <laughs> Atman, the self, is the lord of the Swarajya government. So if you have your breathing under control, you have your thoughts under control, uh, you're in touch with the self, then you have true freedom. Swarajya is one's own energy. This energy must be kept under perfect control. He's saying, and he's a great yogi, he said, be the captain of your ship. You have this ship. It's your breath, it's your mind, it's your emotions. It's all that. We have to learn to govern it properly. We never pay any attention to it. We're all caught in externals, but we're not aware of our inner space, our inner state. And this is the unique vision of a yogi, is to pay attention to that. Then it turns out that our outer is much better takes care of itself. He says, what is Swaraja is not a hill, it is not gold. Very curious remark. Keeping under control both desire and anger is Swaraja. Okay, so it's not a hill, it's not gold. Now, I don't know the history of it, but I wonder if there wasn't some capital building that was on a hill. Uh, it's, not, it's not gold, it's not wealth, it's not some place or some governmental building. It's controlling desire and anger, getting control of your negative emotions. Uh, so this is real independence. It's not going to be... Uh, being, in, being independent from England is fine, but that's not going to solve the existential dilemma of a person. That can only be solved by meditation, spirituality. And then his final one, a man must say what he does and do what he says. That's very practical advice, isn't it? You have to live disciplined and be real, be honest, be truthful, be yourself. <clears throat> now, some short ones. How was that? You get the, the Bhagwan-ness of it? <laughs> I like it. All right, here's a short one. An actor in a curtain first acts behind, oh, sorry. An actor in a theater first acts behind the curtain. He's ready to go on stage, the curtain's down, he's going, to be or not to be, that is the question. Then curtain opens, <clears throat> then he comes out. At the beginning, there must be secrecy. Afterwards, it's not necessary. That's it. <laughs> it's very interesting. You have to, it reminds me of Gurdjieff's sly man, that you have to do your, your practice inwardly. In your own, it's, only, it's nobody's business, your, your inner development, it, because it's all about you, your own essence. So you do that later, you can help others with it. You can talk to others. But work on yourself silently 
inside yourself and don't make a big display and so on. Another one. <clears throat> Keeping the sugar in the bag and not in the food does not lead to knowledge of its sweetness. Isn't that great? Only by eating sugar can its sweetness be shown. Mere repetition of holy names like Ram, Krishna, and Govinda, even for thousands of years, cannot bring liberation. The mantra must be repeated with full knowledge, devotion, and concentration. So it's not good enough just to repeat mantras like a parrot. The Bhagavad Gita says, or Patanjali says, it should be done with understanding and with reverent devotion for a long time, understanding its meaning. And so you have to do it with attention, not like blah, 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 like a parrot. Parrots don't get realized if you teach them Om Namah Shivaya. <laughs> well, maybe they do, actually. I don't know. <clears throat> if they do it for a thousand years, I'm sure they, they get there. Okay, let's see. <clears throat> well, I've got a bunch more. I've got a long one and two medium ones and three short ones. What would you like to hear next? With the birthday boy. The long one. What a man. <clears throat> okay. Oh, it's good. It's good. Perfect. For attaining jnana, wisdom, and mukti, freedom, age is no consideration. Every moment, this very moment is the time for the attainment of jnana and mukti. Right now. <clears throat> this is the yogic moment. Can't say I'll, I'll know the self you know, tomorrow or after 12 years. <clears throat> as soon as a man is hungry, it is time for him to eat. Those who are not hungry should wait for meals until they're hungry. One should have a keen hunger after devotion. The greater the heat of fire, the faster the water boils. <laughs> what a brain. Isn't that great? <clears throat> so it, not everybody's hungry for yogic wisdom. Very few at this stage of history. But once you get interested in it, it becomes like a tidal wave. You can't help yourself. And that certainly happened to me. I had no interest in uh, any kind of uh, mysticism or yoga or anything like that. And then one day, suddenly, I was overwhelmed by it. And one day, I was going to India. And uh, it took me by surprise. Until then, I wasn't, didn't have that hunger. And there's no use uh, crying about someone else not having it. It's just everyone is on their own timetable. The, the sages do say, though, that everyone comes home at some point. We're all in a process, a school, where we're taking care of different kinds of business, and eventually we come to this. He says, the greater the heat, the faster the water boils. Shraddha is the heat. Faith is the heat. So faith is here, in this sense, uh, uh, mumakshutva, it's a desire for liberation. 
the desire to know that's the heat that boils the water, desire to know the truth. <clears throat> he says, Shraddha is the heat. Peace is like ice in the brain. <laughs> it fills the inside and manifests outside. Such a man becomes content in all respects, and his mind becomes pure. That's a big leap. He went from the heat of the boiling water of faith to ice in his brain. <clears throat> and that purified his mind. I'll leave that to you. That's above my pay grade. No money needs to be spent to attain peace of mind. When one is filled with peace, those who are near him are also infected with peace. <clears throat> it is enough if one person is filled with peace out of a thousand. If one has peace, a fraction of peace is enjoyed by all those around him. Of course, that's why uh, the great yogis uh, attract people, because they want... Bhagavan Nityananda didn't have a teaching, didn't have a, a method, didn't have... But people were attracted there because he, his inner state of peace and joy was so great. They, they came around him. He says, a sadhu, when he enters a crowd of worldly people, sadhu is a yogi, a monk, a swami, a yogi, should have that peace which a hunter has when he approaches a tiger. That's another wonderful thing he's observed. What is that? Does a, a hunter have peace when he approaches the tiger? Well, he has a stillness, doesn't he? One point in focus. So he has that focus. He's not all emotional. He's like totally focused. So a sadhu should have that kind of focus. A sadhu... To be, to be in the world should have immense peace and patience. When a yogi operates in the world, he has to be very peaceful and patient. He can't have lots of expectations and lash people for not living up to it. He has to become patient. Peace is very useful to move among thousands of worldly people, he says. Maybe he was talking to some yogi. <clears throat> I don't know. Interesting. How are we doing? All right. You want a couple of short ones? Oh, this is yogic, yogic discipline. <clears throat> There's not a fixed rule about the taking of food. Somebody asked him, what's your teaching about food? He says, it has not been said that one should eat nothing. No. Moderation. Moderation is the rule. Half stomach food. One quarter water. One quarter empty. Do not love sleep too much. <laughs> That's Bhagavan Nityananda discipline. Baba said the same thing. It must be an Ayurvedic teaching. You fill the, the stomach Half with food, a quarter with water, and a quarter empty. And that's the, the, the formula for health. <clears throat> and don't sleep too much. Here's another one on uh, discipline. Fire consumes anything and everything. Wait, wait a second. Yeah. 
Oh, no, here's, a, here's another one. Let me come back to that. In the beginning of practice, sleep less. When eating sparingly, do not bathe in cold water. Frequent cold water baths affect bad blood circulation. What's the guy who does uh, ice baths? What? Wim Hof. Wim Hof would not like that one. Uh, it affects blood circulation. <clears throat> Another one. Fire consumes anything and everything. It makes no distinction between good or evil. That's interesting. You know, the, these analogies, he sometimes would say, the sun shines on everything. It doesn't make a distinction between good and evil. It doesn't say, I'm going to shine only on good people. It shines on everybody. And the same is true of fire. Fire burns up everything. It doesn't uh, exempt uh, the virtuous. It burns their house too. Um, so this is where he goes with this. Those who work can also consume anything. Those who do not work don't know what must be done. They get indigestion. If you're not working, if you're not vital, he's talking about vital power. If you're not exercising your vital, um, then you can't digest things. So it's good to be active. Be, you know, One whose fire is active can eat anything. It will be digested. They talk in India a lot about the digestive fire. The digestive fire. And that, that it's a great sign of health when your digestion is strong. You can eat anything. You can eat nails and tacks and digest it beautifully. You can even digest gluten. <clears throat> he says, sleep also in moderation. Do not eat to a full stomach. In all things, be regular. Good, huh? Uh, okay, come on, I'll do all of them. I got one more medium one, then we'll meditate on the last one, okay? He's kind of an intoxication bug one, isn't he? It's like learning a different language. <clears throat> Who does he remind you of? Nobody. <laughs> I answered immediately. Is there anybody he reminds you of? Huh? Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe. Ramakrishna is much more discursive, though. He could tell a story and a... Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Here's a good one. I like this one. From a distance, the train and the rails appear to be joined together. <laughs> but really, they are separate. It's an optical illusion, right? What, it's wonderful, his observations. <clears throat> the rails and the railroad cars are like the body. The steam is like the spirit which moves the train. He's watching a train, and he gets these strange ideas that the thing that moves the train is the steam. If no steam, no move. No move, oh, sit oh. <laughs> huh? The steam, so what move? Body, no, no spirit. Body, no move, oh. Right? So the body is like the this, this steam, the spirit, it moves it. 
The connection between body and spirit must be examined by subtle intelligence. Then peace is attained. And so you have to think about it. You know, when a body dies, it doesn't move anymore, and there's something missing from it. Spirit is not there. So what is the spirit that's held in the body? He says, think about that. Think about it. He says, just as the railroad cars are connected by chains into one train, so are the individual and the self connected. So they're connected on part of the train. Sever the bonds of the physical qualities. Let the jiva, the individual, uh, reach eternal liberation. So he's saying that we're tied to our body by some chains, some, some way. So, so sever the connection with the body and attain liberation. doesn't mean leave the body or die. It means get rid of the attachment and find out who you are as spirit, as the self. It's a very good analogy, very interesting. <clears throat> so, now I know. Yes, he reminds me of a kid I grew up with. No, he doesn't. I lied. <clears throat> okay, let's meditate then. <laughs> no, I love, I love his unique flavor. I, I always see him looking out childlike on his village, seeing all these things. And everything he sees reminds him of some spiritual understanding and a spiritual analogy. And he can speak to the people around him and he points out this and that. It's true, Ramakrishna also used humble uh, uh, metaphors from village life and so on. But here's a, here's a little meditation. You can work with this. We'll meditate now for 10 minutes. And um, if this speaks to you, then use it. Otherwise, just meditate uh, any way that you do. You can use the mantra, Om Namah Shivaya. Repeat that to yourself. Let other thoughts disappear. But how about this one? This is a beauty by Bhagwan. He says, abstain from gross sleep. Sleep in the subtle state. Rest in concentration on the internal breath. So meditate on the breath inwardly. And sleep, the subtle sleep, don't actually fall asleep, but go deep into meditation and sleep the sleep of deep meditation by just watching the breath Inwardly, the internal breath, the breath that goes up and down the body, not in and out, but just goes the movement in, inside. So you can try that in meditation. I'll read it once again. We'll meditate for 10 minutes. And once again, with great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. Satguruna Maharaj Kijay. Bhagwan says, abstain from gross sleep. Sleep in the subtle state. Rest in concentration on the internal breath. Look within and watch the breath come up and down and rest in that movement of the breath. Just rest in the movement of the breath. 
This is a powerful meditation that's used in many, many different paths. So we'll meditate now for 10 minutes. <laughs> 